Irish Media Network. We entertain. Good evening, folks, and welcome to Irish Media Network Sports Update. I'm your host, Joe Caulfield. And on tonight's show, we're going to be talking all things Premier League. It is back, and thank God. So Wednesday of this week, Sheffield United took on Aston Villa, followed by Arsenal versus Man City. And already... We have controversy, we have calamity, we have VAR and Hawkeye malfunction, we have David Luiz having a meltdown, we have stuff to talk about on the football front again, and I'm dying for the episode to get stuck into it. So, let's do that. Joining me this week is Virgin Media, RTE, an off-the-ball broadcaster and journalist. The Red Men TV presenter is Jonathan Higgins is joining me. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining the show. Hi, Joe. How are things? Great to have live sport back, isn't it? Oh, come here. How much immeasurably has your world improved with the return of the Premier League? Well, straight away, simple things. We've stuff to talk about again. I can now talk to my family and friends, as sad <laughs> as that sounds. <laughs> I know, myself, uh, myself and Marie Crow were just chatting last week and saying how stilted dinner table conversation has become without sport. Yeah, it's probably a poor reflection of my personality and whatnot, but yeah, self-confessed uh, sports addict. So yeah, I'd say 85, 90% of my conversations are are based on sports. So yeah, and straight away, and of course, the Premier League just doesn't fail to uh, to disappoint, really. The quality of football mightn't be the best, but my God, do you get entertainment and do you get drama? 100%. So come here, tell us about that first and foremost in terms of the viewing experience, uh, stadia without fans, the quality of the football maybe not being 100% there right right now. What was your impression of last night's football? Yeah, well, like understandably, as we've seen with the Bundesliga and La Liga as well to a certain extent, understandably so, the quality of, I say, of fitness and of football then as a result isn't up to pace yet. It mm-hmm. took Germany a couple of rounds in particular to, to, come, to come back into the flow. And you saw that in particular, I think, the, the first game uh, Wednesday night, the Sheffield United Villa game, you really, really saw that. It was it was a game that struggled for quality, really. And even the team as good as Man City, they really, really struggled for maybe about 15, 20 minutes of the game before their quality on the ball t- you know, showed up and they were able to express themselves then. So it will take a couple of games. It's Well, professional footballers, you know, they do live in a pampered world in many aspects. It's still the basics of not being able to get out to a training ground to get a pitch. It, it shows, and they are, they're all human beings at the end of the day. So it will take a couple of games, no doubt, to get into the pace. But but yet, no, it was great. Like, and you know, you have to look at the likes of Kevin De Bruyne uh, Wednesday night. Like, mm. what an absolutely unbelievable player! Like, I, I don't think I've ever been as impressed with a midfielder since back to. The, the days of, of Steven Gerrard, he's he's really ill in that ill cut from the same cloth there, really. The, the way, the balls that he puts through from that outside right, number eight, it, it's just just an absolute joy to watch. So, yeah, no, it was great to have him back wins tonight. Uh, no doubt the, the, the quality will pick up another bit when the games kind of start to throw in, and particularly when we come towards the end of the season where, you know, the big occasions are really up for, for grabs. I think we'll really see it increase a lot then. Yeah, and another thing I suppose that has to be taken into consideration, and I think Pep Guardiola expressed concerns about it in his uh, his interview on his press conference on Tuesday, was the fact that he concerned about the fact that the run-in time, the preparation time, mightn't have been sufficient in terms of it only being really three weeks long. As a result of that, we saw three players go off injured in that match against Arsenal. What's your take on that? Do you think they should have possibly delayed it for another week or two? Given know, six weeks like the Bundesliga or, or La Liga, what's your take on that? No, I think it was time to go back. You look at like everybody that got a lot of the, during the kind of the 
the discussions really to the the start of Project Re Reset, where everybody was pretty much throwing their toys out of the pram there at stages. And I think a lot of people had kind of self-confessed interests that they were kind of using as agendas. Like take, for instance, last season, there was only three weeks preparation for a lot of the international players in Man City squad for the Charity Shield. So we've seen these short turnarounds before. Uh, that being said, it was a little bit more pushed, but it's time, it's time, like there's only a certain amount of, of a window of opportunity really for football mm -hmm. to come back. I think three, three weeks was enough um it's it's time even the injuries last night you wouldn't really say that they were as a result of major kind of you know fatigue there were more kind of freakish kind of impact injuries like even mm -hmm. like the garcia injury was absolutely sickening to watch but that was just a freak where you know edison d d um, does his usual where he comes flying out and um, almost blindly like you can't you can't doubt his commitment but um He's going to do serious damage to himself soon if he keeps if he keeps like doing like that. Like the, the flashback of the Manny instant came into my mind straight away. Where it's almost similarly, where you know the, the other player is looking at the ball and he's coming flying out. But yeah, the, the Arsenal injuries. The, you know, they're, they're Arsenal are renowned to get injuries at the best of times as well. I don't think you can particularly put this down to a three week rest period. No, no doubt it's not the, the best preparation, but I don't think it's going to be as big as impact as, as people will make out. Okay, well, hopefully we don't see kind of reveal. And look, you're you're right as well. And there's another aspect to it, in that you can have as much preseason training as you want, but it doesn't really live up to match practice at Premier League standard until you kind of get that blooding in of the physical contact between players in in full competition. That's when people generally tend to see these types of injuries. Yeah, and absolutely. And, you know, as well as that, they're kind of restricted as well. Like you could have another another week or two, even another three or four weeks on the, on the training ground, but it's only going to be A versus B games, really. In reality, I know they had a round of, of, of friendly games with teams from the championship and a little bit lower, but because of the restrictions in place, you're not going to be able to have high quality preparation games. So you may as well just, I think, just get out, get, get out of the pitch and yeah. go for it and get it. And I think, I think it showed like, don't get me wrong. The, some at some stages last night, particularly or Wednesday night, particularly some of the the first game, for instance, they weren't the you know the purest in their eye. But you know, there's games like that always are going never going to be too too much of an uh, an entertaining battle. So, there are dead rubber matches all yeah. the time. Of course, yeah. there are. Yeah. Uh, speaking about that match, obviously, and then one sorry nil all. Um, the massive talking point is forty second minute. Oliver Norwood uh, crosses in the ball, goes into the keeper's hands. He flops back into the net with the ball in his arms. Hawkeye doesn't recognize this and register it. So uh, Mike Oliver looks at his watch. He indicates that he hasn't been notified that the ball has crossed the line. It doesn't go to VAR, the, the goal doesn't stand and Sheffield United don't get the points as a result of it. What is your take on this? Oh, it was just laughable, really, wasn't it? And yeah. it just goes to show, you know, you talk about the, the the English Premier League being, you know, the best league in the world and the most dramatic. Yet again, it shows that the match officials, in my mind, just aren't up to scratch. I think this this sort of situation could only happen in the Premier League. You're you're almost watching it in absolute disbelief. Like, uh, yeah, we're, you're going to award the goal now, aren't you? Um, like it was so clearly over the line. And mm. I know that they talk about the watch not going off and you know the, the reliance on technology but mm -hmm. surely the, the linesman has to be looking straight across and, and notice that you know that isn't right and then let's not g get talking about var the whole over over a minute not yeah. to rely not not to cop on that oh no that's that's uh, over the line surely how can you I, I just don't get it and you know you hear you hear some of the referees come out kind of defending each other a, a little bit over the course of the next day and they're all going oh well he's so reliant on technology 
well, that's not what VAR is for. VAR is supposed to review these big opportunities. Mm. I just don't understand how somebody watching that as, as a, in a position that you were reviewing any key moments can, yeah. can't, couldn't go, oh, hold on a second here. That, before you take that next free kick, let's just have another look at this. I'm not so sure. Well, it's just laughable, isn't it? Explain to me how that happens. So, like, say, for instance, Mike Oliver is well away from it and he's looking at it at an angle that he can't see it from that kind of um that profile view but surely as you say a linesman can see it like he's like it's as if he's in a hammock in the side netting hole cradling the ball like there's no way you could miss that so how can that linesman not signal to the video assistant referee you need to check this out clearly goal line technology has not worked surely like someone should assume responsibility in that case yeah, no, I think responsibility is the key word. Now, I do, I do have to, you know, you have to give them the officials on the pitch, you know, a benefit of doubt because unlike, unlike the, the footballers as well, they have been rusty as well. They haven't been having the opportunity for training, so there's no doubt there's a little bit of rustiness there as well. And I think it's probably seen that this happened in the first game back. It probably would never happen again. It is a freak scenario. Mm. With, I think it's what the first in nine thousand games that a situation like this has happened, and it, it almost. You know, without going too deep in it, it's almost kind of one of the curses of modern society where we're almost totally reliant on technology and our brain oh, really? doesn't, doesn't work. It reminds me actually of, I was just thinking back over, it reminds me of a story I first heard, I think it was around the time when Satnavs first came out. This is pre-Google Maps and stuff like that. And it was the next big thing. And obviously the maps weren't up to scratch. And somebody followed the course of the, the Satnav religiously in, in London and ended up in the Thames. You know, there has to be a moment of doubt where you yeah, go, yeah, this yeah. little box, this piece of technology is something is telling me something you know i gotta just take a moment here count to five and, and let me just assess it let me reattach my brain here for a second but mm. i would like the linesman yes i think he has to see it he he's he's right on the on the goal line as well because it's from a set piece so he's looking straight across it should mm -hmm. be copped but um, i would hold the biggest responsibility on the, on the var official um like how they didn't see that with them with the benefit of the you know the replays that they would have had is is mind-boggling really i i just that's the thing for me that I, I just can't understand if you're not if var isn't you know solving situations like that or at least stopping the game for a second while there was a pause then what are they doing there really it's it's just laughable really but can i ask you then like is the video assistant referee is var independent as in like can they assess that and say hold on one second we need to look at this or because yeah. their excuse for this is that they they rely on goal line technology in that situation to notify them that they should check that they're not independent they're reliant is that well, correct no, or no I, I don't believe so no so obviously there is the hawkeye watches which was you saw michael oliver hold, hold his hand to his to his wrist because mm -hmm. that was usually the trigger the mechanism but in stocky park who's paul tierney wins tonight was the var of VAR official, he's there in a room with an IT consultant, so he can pull up any ra any replay that you want, and he has a multiple of different angles at, a, at his disposal there, and he mm -hmm. had adequate time because, as I said, there was over a minute before the next pause of play, so he he, he got completely bamboozled, really. I think the reality is, I think is again, I go back to players being called on the hop and a little bit rusty. Here was another yeah. situation of, of being rusty. Panicked, didn't really see anything, which is, which is crazy, because I don't see how anybody reviewing that game with responsibility to, with with the camera angles that were available because look we all saw it straight away yeah. you go, hold on a second mm. that has to be over and it's suppose it's without getting too deep into it as well it's probably another situation where if there had been a crowd there as well they would probably would have rated things a, a little bit more as well yeah. but, but that being said 
it's it's a VAR room. It's how many kilometers, miles away in, in London fr from the game in an isolated bomb, bomb kind of bunker, really, where they have all the, they're locked off from the real world and they have all the TV cameras available to them. You've got to be copping that. You really, really got to be copping. And it's, it's, you know, we laugh about it at times, but it, it could be such a, an important goal on both ends of the table. Like a win last night had Sheffield United ahead of United. Yeah. As they're going for an unthinkable Champions League spot. And let's not even talk about the what the difference it could have been made on the bottom. There's one little thing without going too much in tangent. It flashed into my head as well. So I believe the reports are that Michael Oliver's watch went off at half time. That's when he got the trigger when Hawkeye kind of woke up and he got it. He got it, and then they realised a bit more because Sheffield United officials were were down the tunnel <laughs> to yeah, greet to, yeah. to, to to greet the officials. But I I would have thought. At, at some stage like that, you Michael Oliver has to let the, the captains know. Hold on a second here. This is a this is a grave mistake on the errors of the game, and mm. we didn't like you go back to. I, you probably do remember there was a championship game last season between Aston Villa and Leeds where there was an indirect free kick, or the ball was put out of play, and and Villa kicked the ball back to Leeds, and Bamford went against the spirit of the game and, and didn't didn't allow the ball to go down and chased in the ball and scored a goal from it. And it was absolutely World War at the time. You remember you remember the game yeah, I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Bielsa, the Leeds um, management uh, manager, told his team just to park, to park to one side because of the injustice of it to walk the ball into the net. It would have been ironic had, would have, would have Villa if they had opportunity had been presented to them go, well, okay, you got the uh, the the other end of you know sporting army uh, yeah last time are you going to be as honourable this time it would have been it would have led to a hell of a lot of different conversations put it that way but it would have been fascinating to see what happened there yeah indeed and, and look at it, it's um it just it continues the speculation about technology and football and whether it's the um the benefit outweighs the nuisance value but like I certainly think it does but it, it is funny when things like this pop up funny because uh, it could have such dire implications as you say. Absolutely. But from contentious and controversial to calamitous, talk to me about David Luiz last night against City. 25 oh. minutes on the pitch and he lost in the game. I've, I've seen this movie before many, many times. It appears um, like 25 minutes to come on as a substitute early in the first half. Your team are away against the most expensively selling squad ever. Mm -hmm. And you give away two goals, you give away a penalty and you get sent off. That's one hell of an impact, isn't it? It's just... Oh it's just like a every, yeah, everybody, you know, you, you feel a bit bad, you know, dishing players and stuff like that because it has been tough for them as well. And you know, mm. you don't 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 go out there, no doubt, to make mistakes. But he keeps on making the same mistake over and over and over again. Like even that that attempt of the tackle the, that he did for the penalty, like we see him get rinsed by Salah earlier on the season. That's his usual line. He doesn't appear to to take in any kind of progression or the basics of the yeah. defending. It's just calamitous really like if if a kid did that in an under 10 or a 12 game you'd absolutely irate them yeah. i just don't understand there seems to be no acknowledgement there at all and then he's his interview after the game was just car crash like, like like this this i haven't i don't think i've seen an arsenal captain go so crazy since william gallas said said andrews or back in back in the day when they blew the the title bit and he's he sat on the center circle on his hands and knees for ages it was just like even even you know this guy at the time were like, hold on a second, he's coming out. Okay, this because yeah. he 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 had a hawk. He he approached the guy to to give the interview and then to yeah. talk like that. And you're like, what? Did did he just say that? Yeah. What? So he comes out <laughs> ostensibly to take responsibility for doing it, but then he says, and like it was really kind of like surreptitiously inserted it into his conversation. 
I should have made a different decision in the last two months about my contract, if I stay here or not. And and uh, who, whoever was interviewing had said, sorry, I'm, I'm a bit far away from you. Could you yeah. just repeat that? And, and what Did you, you actually say that? Yeah, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Yeah, like I can only I can only try to read between the lines. I can only assume that from his version that we saw there that he wants to stay in Arsenal, he wants to sign a new contract at Arsenal. And you're led to believe by what he said that Arteta wants him to sign as well. So clearly the only other option and the only other variable here is that the club don't want to offer him a new contract. And let's be honest, judging by his performance last night, you'd want to be off your face to, uh, to even consider it. It would just doesn't seem a logical thing to do as Arsenal are rebuilding at the moment. Why would you, why on earth would you give a player that makes that many mistakes a new contract? But clearly the club so that's a dispute and it obviously has been going on for some time and i think he was saying i'll go out here i'll put all the pressure back on the club hopefully they will force me to get a new con give me a new contract but it's mm -hmm. just it's just surreal and you know arsenal they're, for all the good work that arteta has done in his time there and don't get me wrong i think he's done quite well given the resources available but you look at the likes of Aubameyang, who's their captain who pretty much didn't touch the ball looks like he's on his way out as well have no more interest in the game last night david mm -hmm. louise we've talked about plenty uh, already i'm not going to go down that same him sheet again and then the biggest one for me is is ozil like arteta says he's left out for tactical reasons fine fair enough i, I can i can kind of see that you can see why playing away at city you don't want to have a player that however talent he is, isn't going to match it with work rate. So fair enough, you can understand that. But if you're leaving a player out that's what, 350k a week and leave him out regularly because for tactical reasons, something's not right there. Yeah, doesn't yeah. add up there. Yeah. There's a whole, whole structure mismatch. Really big dark times. Very dark times, but from darkness into light, you're a massive Liverpool uh, supporter. You've been waiting 30 years for this season. <laughs> Talk to me about it. Tell me about the anticipation, the excitement. What are you feeling at the moment? Yeah, well, it's a bit surreal. If I take my work hat off for a minute and just go back to being the, the, the kid. Oh, put on the Liverpool hat. <laughs> the, the very kid, you know, it's it's literally, it's 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 not a cliche, it's the truth. It's it's something waited for all my life. I grew up listening to my parents telling me about all the title wins and um, for for various reasons it hasn't happened to date and there's been so many close calls over the years and in recent years in particular. And it's become, it's become a, I suppose, a, no more than kind of Mayo in, in, in Gaelic football circles. It's become that joke that this is Liverpool's year etc etc and we've seen every it seems like every sort of scenario that could go wrong go wrong over the years and even come back to last season to, to play that well and still and only lose one game and still not get over the line it's mm -hmm. it, it's almost incredible really um, you go back the jars slip, you know, even the Crystal Palace 3-3 yeah, three, three, um, there's, there's a couple, a couple of ones over um, um, the company goal last season as well, you know, even going back to the times with Rafa there as well, there was a couple of run-ins, a couple of decisions mm -hmm. that maybe didn't go in, leather a little rubs the greens, is the fact statement, the speech from Rafa. There's been so many over the years, It's and it's just been one thing after another to, to finally get over the line. And, you know, you can't, to the club of Liverpool, and, you know, I've been lucky enough to cover Liverpool, you know, quite intimately over the last couple of years in particular, but you cannot, there isn't enough words in the English uh, dictionary to describe how much of an obsession it is and how much of a, how badly, badly that club and that football and city wants mm -hmm. the league title back. It's indescribable really. So it, it, it's going to happen pretty, pretty soon, maybe even the next week or so. So it'll be, it'll be a, a weird situation given the current scenario and the, and the current yeah. world, world events but it's not going to take away and in a weird weird way and i know from 
you know, talking to people close to the setup there as well. No doubt Jurgen Klopp will use this as the extra motivation for next season. You know, yeah. go win it, go win it again, go win it. So the fans are hopefully touch wood. World is back to more of a, a normal um, state, if, if that's the right description for it. And, you know, people can come back to, to football stadiums and sporting arenas around the world and at least in a, you know, reduced capacity. But like, I would imagine next season we should see people coming back that he will be saying to his team, we won it last year. That was great. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that the fans weren't there. Go win it and celebrate in front of the fans because I've been lucky enough to be at, you know, some incredible occasions at Anfield over the years. But when lifting the trophy, would, would a full crowd would have been just crazy, would have been emotional. Yeah. And- the whole city would have been incredible. Like, I know plenty of Liverpool fans who were just going to go to Liverpool for that weekend, like Lime Street, Matthew Street, it'd be incredible. It'd be the atmosphere, the unbridled joy. It would be akin to Mayo winning the All-Ireland. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and like, you saw some incredible scenes after the, the Champions League win last year and the, some of the, the scenes of the, from the parade and people are just queuing for hours and hours and it's just an absolute sea of red. You'd have multiplied that by an infinitive amount, really. Yeah. It would have been, un- like even taking the weekend, it, it all going well, it was going to be the, the Chelsea game. Um, mm-hmm. That was going to be the presentation. Like you couldn't get a a B and B or a couch or anything like that within a hundred miles of <laughs> of Liverpool. It was just crazy the demand for it. And there was, as you said, there was so many people, so many Irish people as well had had planned to go over. But look, other things got in the way. Obviously, are the more important things. But when it does happen, you can even hear Klopp. You know, he gave an interview there a week or two ago, and he said, it doesn't matter when we're going to have that celebration, even if it's in the middle of next season or whatever. So no doubt when it happens, it'll be very, very special. But right now, from, a, I suppose, a Liverpool fans' point of view, it's just a case of getting that done, getting, getting it over, over the getting, line. Getting it over the line. Yeah. Like, the, every, I think it, Liverpool fans kind of discreetly put on their Arsenal hats last night and or Wednesday night and hoped for a little bit of hope that, you know, the unthinkable could have happened. So it could have happened at the weekend. But from a weird way, if everything goes to plan, if we'll win the next two games, it'll be it'll be at home to Crystal Palace. And, you know, that is another tangent of side stories. It goes back to the 3-3 where everything fell apart and Liverpool were rightly mocked for, for, for being in a situation where they're chasing goals for goal difference to, yeah. to almost blow almost blow in the game. And, you know, it's a game that's been talked about for death, really, probably the end of the Rodgers re- era, really. Uh, but to, to come back and to win it in a game like that against them with a former manager who's probably most of the most darkest times of, of modern Liverpool fans, the Roy Hodgson era was just indescribably bad. So to, yeah. there's so many tangents and so many angles, as they always seems to be with Liverpool. But yeah, no, it, it'll be it'll be special when it happens. I'm sure, I'm sure it will. The last thing I just want to talk to, I mean, we're running out a little bit of time, but I think it's important to mention. We saw in the Sheffield United versus uh, Villa match yesterday, both sets of players and the referee take a knee in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. How important is it for UEFA, FIFA, global football organisations to recognise the issue of racism in football and to actually do something about it, something tangible this time around? Yeah, look, it's it's just um, it's a very I find it difficult at times to talk about it because it's such an important issue and it's a it's an issue far bigger than football because even prior to the the COVID pandemic, the world is in a strange place politically mm-hmm. and we won't go too deep into it. But you've seen the rise of of not nice aspects of society coming across the world and there's been various examples of that and 
you know, even you look, you look at some of the, the, the politician decisions and votes that have allowed kind of they've stirred up hatred again and they've stirred up a lot of dark darkness in society that we hope that. You know, yeah, like yeah, that. The, the, yeah, well, yeah, I, look, I don't want to go too much deep, deep on it on a sports show, but it, it has it's yeah. it's it, it's allowed a, a platform, whatever your political view, it's it's allowed a platform for people to to come out with these backward thinking views that you thought were kind of pushed to one side in the society had moved on and sadly it hasn't you've seen that in examples where obviously everybody keeps coming back to the the england bulgaria game where it was so open and it was you know so in your face and the game but we've seen many many examples and everybody knows the situations as well and it's just horrible and then you see what's going on at the us at the moment as well it's 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 dark and it's it's just it's such a horrible horrible thing that you're right you know, FIFA and UEFA and all the other authorities, they can talk the talk, but until until like real punishment is put out, until there's a real stamp put in place. And let, let's hope that this is the start of it, really, that, yeah. you know, I always think that even even at the worst times, there's all like go back to the Liverpool anthem at the end of the storm, there's a golden sky. Even in the worst possible situation that we saw happen in the US, that it's we've seen a bit of positivity. We've seen the backlash where people are going, Look, this is it. Enough is enough. And even simple things. I know it's not the. I'm not comparing the two, but you look at the power of footballers have what Mark Marcus Rashford has so wonderfully done. Incredible, work. Uh, incredible work. But it just goes to show the power that football has, and there's a platform there to do some do some writing. Footballers have got lambasted a lot of the time correctly, but sometimes completely over the top. And we've seen that even from from UK politicians in, in the last couple of months as well. So it's important that everybody gets together and something important. And, and I repeat what you repeat what you said there again, Joe. Something tangible has happens because enough really is enough. And it, it's it's hard to believe in that you know 2020 we're still talking about this absolutely scourge of society it's it's yeah. sickening really yeah no you're 100 right i think on two fronts first of all it is fantastic to see the players take it upon themselves to to cause this awareness to to stand up and make a stand and raise the awareness and it's now for the institutions to take the bat on and uh, institute rechange and i hope to see that happen in the future thank you so so much for joining us on this week's episode jonathan it was really really enjoyable to chat to you i really really appreciate it and good luck with the rest of the season i'm sure you will enjoy it and celebrate it in your own unique way we, we sure will thank you thank you joe my pleasure thanks a million so that's it for us this week folks thank you so much to my guest jonathan higgins thanks as always to yourself as watching we will be back next week and i hope to see you then in the meantime be good and look after yourself Irish Media Network.